Hi, this is Jerry Conway, and you're listening to Amazing Spider Talk. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle I'll be in 1962, last Wednesday's afternoon They'll bend your ears with reckless self-abandon Welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan, and I'm the editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Chinacchio, the editor of the Chasing Amazing blog. Whoa! Well, thanks everybody for joining us for what appears to be a very special episode of Amazing Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors about Motocross 5. I mean, Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. (laughs) Yes, and for this episode, we'll be discussing a potential, essential Spider-Man comic of the week. We will be discussing, and this is my choice, Dan, Marvel 2-in-1 Annual Number 2 by Jim Starlin. What? Is that even a Spider-Man comic, Dan? I'm not even sure, Mark. Uh, and additionally, we'll be reading your comments and emails, giving away a prize today, right, Dan? Absolutely. And then going through our Flash Thompson's Flash reviews. And I think it's worth noting, Dan, that um, Flash is in the building today. Oh, wonderful. I hope he's not drinking again. Um, you know, I might have saw him in the corner with a bottle, but I think he'll be good to go tonight. All right. Wonderful. Well, if you can hear this sound... Over Flash Thompson's moaning in the background, please make sure you check out your iOS device for a link to an article, video, or image to enhance your listening experience. Mark, I've got a sore throat. I'm coming down with a cold, so let's get into it before I lose my voice. Mark's Choice, Marvel 2-in-1, Annual Number 2. Yes, Dan. Marvel 2-in-1 Annual Number 2, which is um, uh, technically... Marvel 2-in-1, just for those who are unsure of what the series is, was kind of like the second uh, team-up book in the Marvel Universe, the other being Marvel Team-Up, which always starred Spider-Man. 2-in-1 actually always starred The Thing. Uh, This was kind of like The Thing's solo book with another character, but away from the Fantastic Four. Um, Was The Thing really popular when this book was coming out? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thing is, like, you know, you got to remember, like, the Fantastic Four were, like, where it was at. You know what I mean? Like, when, when you know, for the first 20 years of the Marvel age, you know? Like. Yeah. Um, so, Mark, and, why is this essential? Tell me. Okay, Dan. So, this is, this, is, this is the general part of my case. I'm thinking bigger picture here 
in terms of Spider-Man. You know, we we recently got this announcement between Marvel Studios and Sony that that Spider-Man would now be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And, you know, what that ultimately means is that Mar- that Spider-Man is going to be part of the Avengers. And, you know, we have been, you know, since the very first Avengers movie and, you know, I'm not even spoiling the current movie, but, you know, we had that teaser in the first movie with with Thanos, uh, the the Mad Titan. He's probably, you know, one of the most famous villains in, in the Marvel pantheon, uh, smiling. And, 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 you know, we've been kind of hunting for these little MacGuffins, these Infinity Stones and all these other uh, movies like Guardians of the Galaxy. They're building towards the Infinity Gauntlet. Um, which was this huge storyline from the from the early '90s um, that pretty much involved everybody, um, and that was written by Jim Starlin. Uh, it had art by George Perez and then Ron Lim for the last few issues. Uh, Starlin was kind of the godfather of cosmic uh, Marvel's cosmic mo- uh, movement from the '70s. He and I mean I know I'm going through a lot of preamble here, Dan. So I mean, bear he with me. Have, he does have Star in his last name. Yes, I mean you know I, I actually. Met Jim Starlin briefly at, at Comic Con, this New York Comic Con this past year, and you know he was giving a talk during a panel on uh, on Marvel Cosmic, and you know the joke with him was, you know, in the seventies the cosmic characters Marvel had no idea what to do with them, and so they just kind of threw Starlin at them because they didn't care, and and they were just like do whatever you want with them. We're going to probably just cancel the book in a few months anyway. So he wrote like Captain Marvel and and Adam Warlock and. Um, you know, that's where like Claremont got his start before he, you know, Claremont created Star-Lord. Um, you know, Steve Englehart wrote some some books before he was doing the Avengers. I mean, uh, you, uh, of course, then there's, um, um, and the name is uh, Steve Gerber, you know, before he was doing Howard the Duck, was doing um, a bunch of cosmic books. So, I mean, like the, there's this kind of like whole cadre of writers who are very well revered now. Um that all got their start doing these kind of crazy, kooky stories. Um, so Starlin, you know, he, he just for a little additional context, Starlin had been writing Warlock, and as predicted, the, the book got canceled before he got to finish his arc. And he was doing this arc where Warlock was fighting his evil, dark future self with Thanos assisting him, but Thanos was only assisting him to steal... Uh, his soul gem, which was part of the, you know, which would later become part of the Infinity Gauntlet. Um, so uh, Starlin got to do this. Uh, it was actually a two-part story. The first part just dealt with the Avengers and Thanos, uh, and then the second part brings in Spider-Man and the Thing um, to kind of tie up his Warlock storyline. <laughs> it was very kind of crazy. Um, and like, there was even things like, you know, like characters like Pip the Troll, well, Pip the Troll was killed in the comics, but like Gamora was like, got killed off screen and no one ever saw it, but she just shows up dead in this comic. In a very <laughs> strange outfit, if I do say so myself. Well, you know, that's that, that actually, I mean, strange by today's standards, yes, but that was kind of what she just wore in the seventies. Sure. Um, you know, but anyway, so putting all that preamble aside. This is, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about a bigger picture here. And I, for me, a lot of fans are going to be turned on to comic books, so, you know, or, or have already been turned on to comic books because of these movies. I mean, these movies attract a wider audience than your, your, your any given issue of Spider-Man comics. I mean, can we agree on that, Dan? Yeah. Oh, I mean, like a far bigger 
<laughs> audience. And, you know, I thought, you know, for the purposes of this series, it was important to get a story with Spider-Man and the Avengers and Thanos in like that cosmic universe, because this is where this is all building right now in this in this mega franchise. Um, and and have it be also a comic where Spider-Man is one of the key figures, because that's the thing. I mean, you know, you had Bendis's new Avengers run that, you know, would occasionally spotlight Spider-Man. But like I, I, I rarely felt during that run that Spider-Man was the main attraction. Am I right? I mean, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, that's fair. Um, whereas I feel like, you know, I mean, he's, you know, in this comic, Spider-Man is, you know, he, he, he saves the day. I mean, he saves the day through kind of dumb luck and, and, and just, you know, a willingness to just abuse his own body, but he saves the day. He saves the Avengers. And this is something quite frankly, I, this is, this is a way I could see Marvel studios using Spider-Man within this universe. Um, so that's my long-winded explanation as to why I find this essential. I also think this is a good representation of uh, Spider-Man in a team-up comic because, you know, again, I mean, with a historical context, these team-up comics were like, you know, like a huge part of what Marvel was doing in the 70s. And and a lot of them featured Spider-Man very heavily. Um, it's kind of – he's kind of always been associated with the whole team-up line. Um, so, yes – well, that's a that really, is, that's a really good argument, Mark, and I think again this is going to test our uh, our our wording on the series is that we're we're going for essential and not like favorite. Uh, correct. And I guess we talked about this last uh, time we did an essential episode two weeks ago, that you know you felt Peter wasn't a big part of the Rhino story, and I was like, yeah, I guess that's a good point. And how does this fall into our essentials? And obviously it's going to be up to you guys to decide. So I think you, you put a fair point up because I, I'll say like this would not rank anywhere near my favorite Spider-Man story. And I'm, probably, I'm guessing it probably wouldn't for you either. I like this story a lot, but not as a Spider-Man story. Right. So it's not – I mean Spider-Man is the main character here, but only just, I would say. Um, but I will s- – because the, oh, thing, I'm sorry. the thing has got a huge role in this. Yes, beyond swallowing a cigar, an expensive one, after Spider-Man scares him. But yeah, I mean, that's a great moment. Yes, uh, but I mean, but the comic does open. I mean, with this kind of weird first-person narration, uh, which I'm sure was kind of a little off-putting if you're not used to that in a Spider-Man comic or, or uh, in comics in general. I mean, it's right. not something you see very often. No, he definitely not, and 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 that wasn't even necessarily a Starlinism. I mean, he was just clearly again, no one was paying, no one from editorial was paying attention to these books. They just did whatever the heck they wanted. It, it, it's really a fascinating time to read comics. It's not all good because of it, but I mean, you know, compared to to today, where everything is like so firmly vetted, nine hundred times over, right? I mean, you know. Right. <laughs> Which, which is funny that this would come to define the Marvel Universe movies. Yeah, I mean, it it, it really is crazy that this is the, these are the comics that are feeding into this. I mean, it's 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 absolutely wild. Um, but you know, and of course, it's worth knowing Jim Starlin. He he created Thanos. You know, this the Thanos was his baby. Um, what about the Thanos copter was that him too? No, that was our good friend Jim Salakrup who wrote that comic. Ah, yes. It's all coming back to me now. 
Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, before he became, a, you know, the book editor who who revealed Ned Leeds as the Hobgoblin. Um, <laughs> You're saying that um, through gritted teeth, Mark. Oh, I know. I, well, I just know that Jim loved me nonstop asking him about that three years ago, however long that was. <laughs> <laughs> we, we talk about this kind of being foreign territory for Peter and Spider-Man in a lot of ways. And I kind of like that this book even just openly acknowledges that, right? right I mean, it totally he, does. Yeah, he's completely out of his element in terms of going, you know, he, so basically, you know, just for the plot narration here, I mean, you know, P, Peter has this vision um, of this, you know, massive space station that where, where Thanos and his 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 goons are, and they, and they're they're they have they're, they're Thanos has the soul gem that he that he stole from Warlock, and you know he's he's gonna blow up the world with it because you know that's what Thanos does, and and you know Thanos even explains you know he's doing it because he was jilted by death. Um, Thanos, Thanos is, is, tries to date the, the physical personification of death. I love that this comic spells all this out for you. It's like, if you don't know anything about this here, we're going to literally tell you. And I think if you weren't used to comics, you'd read this and be like, what the hell is this? (laughs) Well, I mean, you know. I think it, I think it's it's important that they do do it here because of the fact that this was taking place in Avengers and then in, in Marvel two and one these were more mainstream books these weren't the cosmic books and you know? this led directly into the Infinity Gauntlet right which was the big event for them at the time so well no 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 it, did, it didn't lead eventually but this was this was kind of like that when because this was still the late seventies, Infinity Gauntlet didn't happen until the early nineties. But this was the last we saw of Thanos until they revved up the Infinity Gauntlet. Right. Okay. Yeah, and and, and like it was like a coup that they got Starlin back to do that because Starlin had falling outs with Marvel. I mean, you know, it wasn't pretty. Um, you know, Starlin was too busy then, like killing off Robin and stuff like that in the eighties. That was, was that was. Would you say he was courting death? Yes. And to 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 what is it to try to defeat them is to court death. Is that the line from the first Avengers teaser? I think so. I think so. And that's what this is referring to. It's Thanos's infatuation with death and, and everything he does is, you know, he's a nihilist who is motivated to woo death. Crazy. Like, pass me some LSD. Let's do it. Spider-Man, everybody. Yes. This is an essential Spider-Man comic, I swear. But you know, we we, we get this great interaction with with Spidey and the Thing, where he like you know Thing is enjoying a cigar, and then Spider-Man sneaks up from behind him and makes him choke on it. Yeah, and I then love it's this. like the the drawing it, of it is wonderful. Yes, Starlin was a very under Starlin both wrote and drew, drew this story and he would later have other people draw his, his scripts. But I thought Starlin was a pretty solid penciler. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I thought this was, I mean, it's totally in keeping with Marvel at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, nothing, you know, nothing like super dynamic, but totally acceptable. I mean, uh, most of Marvel's comics kind of looked very similar at the time. Yes, definitely. Um, but I, I I also do love that like the thing just so happens to have like a space shuttle lying around that to, that they can take up to go check out like yeah, Peter. Why don't Grape. we test this brand new space shuttle that we have in Docking Bay Three? I mean, you know, were there 
any better friends to have in the Marvel Universe than the Fantastic Four during the 70s? I no, mean, pro- probably not. So, you know, we, we, we have a story, improbable or not. Spider-Man and the Thing are, are up at Thanos, and Thanos has the Avengers suspended in animation. And, and then pretty quickly, like, Thanos takes down the Thing. So it's all up to Spider-Man. Now, what did you think of that moment with, with, with when Spider-Man is kind of faced with dealing with this whole thing by himself? I loved it. I was like, because what happens is Spider-Man's like, oh, I don't do this kind of stuff. Like, I just fight, like, criminals in New York City. And he, like, flees. And yeah, it's, I thought that was wonderful. Yeah, it's like, there's definitely, like, this, like, fight or flight moment. And Spidey's initial instinct is to flight. And... You know, it's 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 funny. I I I go I go back and forth with it. I I, I do ultimately love it, but then I'm kind of like, ah, oh, yeah. But would 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 Spider-Man even? You know, it, it it goes back to you know our debate during Superior. Like, would would Peter have that moment of doubt? And here's another example of when he does. You know, like so for those who are like, no, he's always he's always got his his convictions, and he would never you know never do something wrong. Well, you know. Here's another instance, and this is a pretty famous story, all things considering. Yeah, and I uh, would say, like, given the circumstances, he's facing, like, the universe's greatest threat. So it's not totally inconceivable that he might chicken out for a moment. Yeah, and, and you know, also for historical context, folks, this was before Spidey took on Juggernaut or Fire Lord or any of these other things. Like, I mean, you know... At this point in time, this was far and away. I mean, unless you can maybe make a case for Doom, the few times Spidey faced Doctor Doom, but I, I, I think Thanos even kind of takes down Doom in terms of the power scale. And the who Marvel. is Spider-Man fighting in his book at this given time? Like the the kangaroo or something? Yeah, or like Cyclone or something. I mean, <laughs> he's not facing the greatest rogues gallery in his own book. No, no. I mean, so the the, the fact that like. He's faced with someone who can probably just like you know crush him with his mind is Snap kind of snap his fingers. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, with with this fight or flight kind of thing going on, you know, Peter Peter goes to run away and then is realized, well, if I go back to Earth, he's just going to kill everything anyway. So I guess I better stay. And then he uses his brain and figures, you know what? I cannot beat this guy, but Thor can. So I can just get Thor free. I love that he like singles out Thor. Like you know, like not having all the Avengers would, yeah, would matter. Yeah, some serious favoritism here. Yeah, I mean you know, but Thor is pretty awesome. So I mean, you know, par for the course. Yeah. And and Peter's ultimate solution to me is might be one of my favorite Spider-Man solutions to being overmatched. Which is that he throws himself at the containment chamber and lets the Avengers free. Yeah. Like just like great. totally like like no no regard for his physical well-being. It's just like, well, I'm going to just fling my body like a pinball. I mean, I don't know. Like to me that's a diff- I mean, we we talked about also, you know, favorite moments versus essential moments, but to me that's a def- that's a definitive Spider-Man moment. And I've said that in the past about this comic. I don't know how you feel about that, but um I thought it was fine. I liked it. I don't know. To me, like that's like that's Spider-Man in a nutshell. Like it's just like that he would just, you know, with 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 the fate of the universe at stake, it's like he gets the job done, but he still does it in a kind of 
self-effacing way. Yeah, I, I thought it was really funny. Uh, I mean, like funny and, and powerful that he would, you know, do that to himself. Uh, I don't know that the book really, like, spends a lot of time selling the dramatics of that choice. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's a fine moment. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's good. I like it. <laughs> no, you're wavering. I can tell. It's all right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, um, I have to be honest with you, Mark. This is a very. I still think this is a strange choice, but I'm going with it. I'm going with okay, it. Okay, go I'm, with it. I'm, go with it. I'm embracing it the way that Spider-Man embraced that force field. Okay, there you Just go. <laughs> hurling my body into this decision. Because then he gets one more big moment in this comic. So, like, you know, now the Avengers are free. There's a melee. All this stuff is going on. But Thanos still has the capacity to just wipe everybody out because he still has the soul gem that's in a, a conveniently located in a nice little orb. Right, a glass uh, case. Please break in case of emergency. <laughs> <laughs> Please case in case of, in case of a, apocalypse. Right. Um, and, you know, so Spidey, like, does that. And then, like, you know, again, in a, in a typical Spidey reaction, it's kind of like, I did it. What did I do? And then, like, war, like the, the I don't even know what you would describe it as. It's Warlock, but kind of not in total tangible form shows up and, and turns Thanos into stone. Well, you're skipping and, over a really great moment where everything just starts blowing up. And it's a really yeah. cool panel where Spider-Man is just, like, like you know, embraced by flames. Yes, I'm sorry. That's a cool moment. It, it is a cool moment, and well, well illustrated, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the standout moment of the book. Okay. <laughs> I just hear this this kind of disdain in the back of your voice. Dan. No, that's just my cold, Mark. Oh, oh okay. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and Warlock, you know, again, it's like. Spider-Man like sets up the moment that actually leads to the moment that saves the day. He doesn't, you know, cause he can't physically beat Thanos. I mean like, and, and, and no one ever pretends that he can, you know, this isn't him beating a Herald of Galactus. Um, he's just doing what he can. He's doing his part. Again, this is how I see him being used in the Marvel cinematic universe. I don't think they're going to let Spidey deal the decisive blow against Thanos, but you know, he might, throw his body into, into a glass orb and, you know, set up the final moment where Thanos is defeated. When the time comes, will you be ready to throw your body into a glass orb? I think so. Um, and I just want to say too, that the Thanos and stone image is considered one of the most iconic panels in Marvel history. So, you know, you've probably, it gets referenced all the time. in like, even there was an Avengers book, um, during infinity, uh, two years ago where they used that as the cover image. I mean, it's a clear homage to, to this panel. Yeah. It's a really um, cool panel. Um, so, you know, again, even if, even if you're not sold that this is an essential Spider-Man comic, I mean, this is considered one of the more famous storylines, uh, certainly from the seventies and probably, you know, from the last like 40 years or so. Well, uh, it reminds me of anything. It reminds me that I have to go back and read this stuff. <laughs> well, you have Marvel Unlimited now, so you can read the you can read the Warlock issues. I do, I do. I'm I'm excited to get into that stuff. I'm trying to catch up on all the things I'm missing now, and then it's going to be the inevitable like minefield of trying to figure out what was came out when and what order I should be reading them of all the well, old back issues. 
Well, when you when you want to actually start diving into cosmic, Dan, let me know, and I'll give you I'll I'll give you my my bibliography for you. I mean, I because yeah, there is definitely a way to go about doing it. You don't want to start with the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, you want to yeah. work your way out to it. I will ask for the instructions, Mark. I you know I, I, any way I can help. Great. Um, so okay. So that's, I mean, anything to add on this, Dan? I mean, I, I, I know I talked a mouthful during this up during this segment, that's but fine. It, this is, I mean, I just discovered this yesterday for the first time. So, <laughs> you know, I the time hasn't really gone on long enough for me to go. This is a book that I'm really familiar with and love, you know, and and, and I'll, I'm definitely going to read this again, and and definitely in the context of knowing what's happening in the broader universe, and I think. You know, Spider-Man's actions might mean more to me, uh, given more context for it. So, but I enjoyed this book. Like, it was fun to kind of glance into Marvel Cosmic, and I think there's a point to be made about Spider-Man's role in the greater universe, which is, you know, I would say at times almost negligible. And sometimes he'll show up and have no real, you know, he'll be there only in image, you know. And, and at least here, like, someone gives him an interesting role to play in something far grander than, than him. Yeah. I mean, you know, spoiler alert, but like for infinity, in infinity gauntlet, Dan, Spider-Man has basically no role. He like kind of like shows up in the big battle and, and doesn't do much. And then, uh, in infinity war, which I know that's what the movie is called, but I doubt this is actually the storyline they're adapting. That's the, that's the infinity gauntlet sequel. Um, remember, remember, uh, probably one of your favorite villains from Maximum Carnage, the doppelganger. Oh, the best. Yes. Um, well, doppelganger like injures Spider-Man and like he basically is taken out of the story for the duration of Infinity War. Oh man, that stinks. Yeah. So, um, you know, blame, blame the, the doppelganger. Um, so again, like, you know, with these characters that the cinematic universe is clearly building with. Uh, this story is probably the most um, significant that Spider-Man is featured in. So, you know. Do you, do you think t- Andrew Garfield will play the doppelganger? <laughs> it's Tobey Maguire. <laughs> right. It's Kirsten Dunst. <laughs> I just wanted to see the six arms, razor teeth, and fly eyes. Yes. Yes. It's, it's a great story. Not. Actually, Affinity War is terrible. Don't read it. Uh, stop at gauntlet. <laughs> and then there's infinity abyss, which is just really weird. Yeah. Actually, I'm skipping infinity crusade. There's like five infinities, Dan. Are you, Are sure you ready? There's not an infinite number of infinities. Well, I think it might just go forever. Okay. But, um, yeah, infinity abyss was like their first attempt to re- resurrect cosmic in like the early two thousands. And Spider-Man actually has a very key role in that, but he's like paired off like for no apparent reason with like Drax the Destroyer and like Doctor Strange. It's like, you know, who are like four men who are not in my kitchen, Alex? I mean, it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what is this? That is a strange team up. Um, but Spider-Man has teamed up with Stranger. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, it's not just a strange team up because of Doctor Strange. Oh, see oh, what I did? Ah. I, I sh- All right, Dan, let's get out of this segment. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're one dad joke away from total collapse. Boom. <laughs> How about some comments and emails, right? All, all right, let's do it. 
Yeah, so we're, we're going to go through some more comments and emails here, Dan. Uh, of course, you can leave us comments and a rating uh, at our iTunes and Stitcher pages uh, by searching on Amazing Spider Talk or on Spider-Man. And while you're there, in addition to uh, reviewing and rating us, uh, why don't you uh, subscribe to us and, you know, add to our subscriber base. Um, and then you can email us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com or you can tweet at us. And just hashtag it okay to print. Yeah. Um, and I mentioned last episode that we would be giving away our copy of Amazing Spider-Man number 72 that we've been kind of raffling off. And I have a winner. So hopefully this winner is listening in. So, Mark, can you give me a drum roll? Uh, the, I, I can't do the drum roll set. <laughs> that was perfect. Thanks, Mark. And the winner is Derek Fields. So, Derek, if you are listening in, please email us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com, and I will send this Amazing Spider-Man number 72 your way. So thank you very much for your comment. All the way back in May 2014, he left a comment. So a year ago, and now it's paying off. So it always pays to leave us comments. And speaking of which, Mark, why don't you give us our first comment sure absolutely well this one is from uh stokith uh five out of five face front true believers this is truly the superior amazing spider-man podcast uh and stokith writes i have listened to a few spider-man podcasts and i can definitely say that mark and dan have the best and most professional podcast for our friendly neighborhood wall crawler the hosts are knowledgeable and their reviews are always nearly or are nearly always spot on their love for the character definitely comes through, even when they aren't loving the material of a particular storyline. It never feels too negative, nor do they come off as people who will just heap praise on anything involving Spider-Man. Their access to creators and insightful interviews are just another thing that sets this podcast above other shows. My greatest endorsement is that, well, of course, the podcast is free. I've actually sent money in and joined the Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Talk Members Club. Why did they call it that? <sighs> I enjoy the show so much that they actually got me to send money in for a show I get for free. Excelsior! Well, thank you for the comment and the donation. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. Our next comment comes from uh, Mikey Graff, who actually emailed me recently about how much he's enjoying the show. And uh, he uh, entitled this one, Great Listen for Any Spidey Fan, 5 out of 5. And he says... I recently got back into comics through the Marvel Unlimited app and started reading the Superior Spider-Man run. I found this podcast and listened to every episode within a week. Oh, boy, Mikey. I, wow. uh, I salute you. Yes. Um, <laughs> so good job, I guess. And he says, other podcasts will sometimes up, have up to six people review a book at once and their reviews will become diluted and the audio quality suffers because of this. <laughs> I mean, we do like our audio quality here, right, Mark? It's true. There are no fire alarms on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he says, Dan and Mark are knowledgeable, passionate, and have a great chemistry with each other. Oh, Mark, let's get married. We're like, we're like Widow and Bruce Banner. Yes, exactly. And <laughs> Will says, you sing me my lullaby, Dan? I, any, any time, Mark. Except for right now, <laughs> because I'm going to finish this comment. He says... They're critical and needed and aren't negative just to be negative. I love the interviews with comic book creators from past and present. This podcast is a must for any Spidey fan. So thank you, Mikey. And I hope that you're getting some rest now that you've listened to all the shows. Yeah, seriously, man. Take a nap. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of a large number of things, 
this is a really bad segue, I have to admit. Let's get into our numerous Flash Thompson's Flash reviews. You jerks. It's Flash Thompson is back. And what was with that introduction, Dan? I don't know, but I'm really shaking my head on this end. Really? Come on. You're like Puny Parker with his microscope. What's that about? I mean, you know, I only had four fifths of vodka here, and I'm just ready to just, I don't know, pass out on the table instead of giving you a review. Are you going to crash your car into <laughs> high school? Only the car that Mr. Osborne gave me. He's great. He gave me a big job and a fancy car and that I'm now going to (laughs) crash. Well, you be careful there, Flash. (laughs) Oh, boy. This segment is now my favorite segment of the show. Wow. I mean... (laughs) Yeah, you're not going to believe this. Like, Flash is just slumped in the corner right now. Oh, I believe it, Mark. I 100% (laughs) believe that. Um, So I guess we should do the Flash reviews? I guess in his honor we'll do that. Oh, man. Um, So what do we want to start with here, Dan? Silk number three? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, You want me to go first? I mean, you know, I got to review it while standing over Flash's passed out carcass. (laughs) Is it a carcass if he's still alive? <laughs> I don't know. Do we know that he's still alive, Mark? I think you should check. <laughs> does he Does he have his legs right now? I don't even know in the comics what's true or not. What continuity are we talking about? <laughs> Anywho. And what war did he fight in? Was it Iraq? Was it Vietnam? I don't even know. Does, does, does Shan Shan exist anymore? <laughs> I don't really know. Does she? I, I don't, I, you know, like he met her in Vietnam and then it was retconned to Iraq, right? Yeah, but we did see her uh, during Superior, right? She fixed Aunt May up. That's right. So, how did they meet? <laughs> not in Vietnam. <laughs> Very strange. Well, this is for another time. Let's get into silk number three, Mark. All right, I'm I'll put- go first. I'm putting 60 seconds on the clock. You got it. All right. So take it away. Yes, Dan. Well, for me, Silk Silk is a book that's incrementally getting worse. Um, it still lacks a central thesis, which I just, you know, is probably the biggest problem plaguing it. I mean, beyond the, the missing parents angle, and even that, we seem to be moving away from it. Uh, Robbie Thompson is trying so hard to be cute with uh, his language, and it's getting to be very grating for me. Uh, and, and still, this car- character is way too pop culture savvy for someone who's been secluded in a bunker for a decade. I just don't get that there's a struggle for this character, uh, which makes her actual defeat to Black Cat in this issue even less of an emotional moment. So for me, this is puny Paca. Awesome, Mark. All right, well, give me the countdown, and I'm going to get into my review of Silk 3. All right, three, two, one. I'm not really sure where this book is going, but I am enjoying the lighthearted nature of it. I'm not sure that that's enough for me to recommend the book, especially with a villain as forgettable as... I can't even remember his name. Let's just call him the Pokemon dude. 
Still, I have to say that I liked Silk's unique approach to handling the villain's re- reformation. That Black Cat's unfortunate character transformation is shown up now in two spider books is just sad for the community. Still, I have to applaud the beautiful art, but Silk is just barely for me a puny Parker. All right. So far, so good. All right. What do you want to talk about next, Mark? How about Spider-Gwen number four? Ah, yes. All right. Well, you ready to go, Mark? Let's do it. Okay, go for it. All right, so after a very action-heavy last issue, we got this cool-down comic here with some very nice sentimental character moments. Um, you know, this mainly dealt with Gwen with uh, this world's create, uh, Uncle Ben and Aunt May. I kind of love how Uncle Bay is this, this lovable blowhard talking about, you know, eating steak and drinking milk and has a mug called Gwenny the Pooh on it. Uh, Aunt May seems to be a little more emotionally centered and balanced, uh, almost like how she's portrayed in Ultimate, in my opinion. Uh you know, there's some hints that maybe she knows what's going on with Gwen's life. But uh, overall, you know, this was a comic that's kind of right in my wheelhouse in terms of rich character moments. I also thought Robbie Rodriguez was at his very best here. Uh, there were some really nice full sp- full page spreads, uh, including one with like Gwen with these like headlines overlaid that we don't get to see Robbie do all that much in this book. It's very usually tight, more tightly plotted than that. So for me, it's fan club certified. Very nice, Mark. All right, so Dan, three, two, one. I have to say I was a bit underwhelmed by this issue of the book. I liked the characterizations of Uncle Ben and Aunt May, but with so many other characters receiving more interesting transformations in this particular world, Ben and May felt a little too familiar, and so did their plot lines. I'm not sure what I was supposed to get out of both the beginning and ending of this book, with some of the narrative was lost somewhere between the art and the dialogue placement. I'm not sure I really care about Hobie Brown um, or what's going on with Frank Castle. It was just kind of a non-moment. I'm still on board with the team Spider-Gwen, but I expected more of a fallout after the hugely dramatic end of Spider-Gwen number three. It's a really strong book, but in this world of binaries, I'm giving this one a puny Parker. All right. So shall we go to Spider-Woman, number seven? Why not? So uh, take it away, Mark. Uh, this is still a really funny, hilarious comic, but uh, I, I, I felt this was a bit of a letdown after the last issue. Uh, I also kind of had a hard time following the plotting of this book. There's like a lot of like kind of jumping scenes back and forth between Jessica, Ben, uh, Porcupine, who I can't remember his real name. I apologize. Um, and, and that kind of threw me off a little bit. Uh, but it's still a fun read, um, and and Javier Rodriguez has just been amazing on this book. There there are just some amazing uh, visual spreads throughout this book. Um, he he truly is becoming the star here. Uh, I wasn't totally into the villain reveal. Uh, I was hoping for someone a little more recognizable uh, from the from the street level library. Um, but for me, this is still it's 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 barely, but it's fan club certified. Cool, cool. All right, Dan, three, two, one. Well, I didn't find this issue as funny as the previous one. I thought Spider-Woman 7 sets up a really intriguing mystery when it reveals that the wives of all the supervillains might not be as kidnapped as we previously thought. Instead, we're treated to some kind of weird cult feminist criminal camp, whatever that means. Javier Rodriguez, though, continues to stun, and Jessica is getting more fun to read all the time. I just love that personality. 
I'm like you, Mark. I'm similarly nonplussed by the villain reveal or non-reveal in this case, but I'm I'm willing to give Hopeless more time to surprise me. So I'm calling this one fan club certified. Okay. Well, Dan, we'll, we're well, not technically a Spider Book uh, Secret Wars kicked off uh, this week. So do we want to talk Secret Wars quickly. Yeah, I mean, Spider Man is going to be you know I, I'm imagining a key figure in it, as particularly Miles. Yes, I, I, definitely, and uh, and obviously, renew your vows is going to tie into this too. So uh, why don't I go first, and uh, we'll do it. Okay. All right. So and go. Yeah, so uh, you know, this is this is Jonathan Hickman at his like world building best, or actually world destroying best. But the fact of the matter is, this is still a book with some really big concepts going on. Some some things that might be a little tough to follow if you're just picking up this book on the first time. You definitely need to make sure you read Avengers and New Avengers leading into this, and even then, you probably still need a guidebook to walk you through a lot of it. Uh, but. But this book is not short on drama uh, and also just some really fun uh, interweaving between uh, the 616 and the Ultimate Universe, like evil Reed Richard showing up. Uh, so I, I'm definitely color me intrigued, uh, if not a little already mentally exhausted by this book. It is fan club certified. What is this book going to read like in a trade? Oh, my God. It's like here's an instant headache. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The, you, you, the the guidebook alone will be an omnibus. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! I mean, they, I, not to get too into my review of it, but like just the the uh, the guide to who the characters in the book are is the most like image filled page I've ever seen. Yes, it's like here are the eighty seven characters in this comic. All right. Anyway, why don't you go in three, two, one? So I've been publicly bashing everything about how Secret Wars has been marketed and the pages that they've chosen to preview for this story. I just was not intrigued. And I haven't really been that interested in any Marvel event since, like, Civil War, really. I, but I loved Hickman's Ultimates run, and I, didn't, I haven't really liked much of his Avengers run. So I was in for a real surprise when I felt like this was something straight out of his Ultimates run, including the return of evil Reed Richards, who I just adore. This book shocked me on every level, and it was incredibly well-balanced. It made me a believer, even if I totally don't understand what's happening and what the ending of this particular issue means for the Marvel Universe. If all events open with this big of a shock, I'd likely buy into more of them. Only time will tell this was all just a sales stunt. Consider it fan club certified. There you go, Dan. I enjoyed it. What can I say? I, I was I, I I even texted you before I went to the comic book store that I didn't think I was going to pick this book up. Yeah, but you know, so I'm glad you did. I, I I read it. I read it right away. And like I said, I mean, I've I've mostly have liked what he's been doing with Avengers and New Avengers. Um, but it's 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 a little uh, heavy, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I mean, but, but you know, that's kind of Hickman for you. I mean, if you read his image, do you read any of his image stuff? No, I don't. You should probably at some point, you know, when you have time, which you never do, like do like Manhattan Projects is probably a good book to start with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, did you read his Ultimates run? I have not actually. So I'm, but you know what? Marvel Unlimited is there. I uh, highly recommend it. And it's the same artist as well, Isad Ribic. So. It totally feels like it's the first chapter of this. Very cool. And uh, I'm assuming it's better than, than Mark Millar's Ultimates? Uh, I would say it's about – I mean I like Mark Millar's Ultimates. So 
Um, I know, consider me like a crazy person, but I, I actually really like that book. So I it's, would say it's comparable, but it's very different. That's just – it's not that you're a crazy person. A lot of people like that book. It's just it, – it, it strikes me as odd that you like that book. How does that I do. sound? I do like that book, yeah. You know, you're, you're, you, some of the things that that book kind of highlights are usually things that you kind of speak out against. But it, you know what? Not, it's not my – I don't think it's perfect. Like I think some chapters of it are better than others. Like some the chapters where everybody is fighting I think are the least interesting ones. Right, um, right. But I think the characters are interesting in the book. And, All right. and, and what he did to shake up uh, the characters, which I think is felt in the movies. Yes. Agreed. Absolutely. Well, I guess it's time to say goodbye, right, Mark? I guess so. This was kind of a offbeat episode. I like that. I like a little <laughs> bit of meandering. Yes. <laughs> if this is your first episode, though, I would recommend checking out some of our other episodes. And, of course, you can do that by going to SuperiorSpiderTalk.com where we have all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts. Or, of course, you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please make sure you leave us a rating and a comment to let us know how we're doing and we'll read it on the air. And the same goes for any opinions you have on these comics. Did you like Marvel 2-in-1 Annual Number 2, which might be the longest title of any comic I've ever uttered? Um, other than all new ultimate ultimates or whatever that book was <laughs> the end. <laughs> yes, right. And of course, if you have any questions, be sure to email them to us at amazing spider talk at gmail.com and we'll address and read them on the air. And we didn't get any this time. So please keep those questions coming. Uh, Mark, what about where else can they find us on the internet? Yeah, no, but, but I'll get to that in a second. I just had this nightmare, though, Dan, of like, you know, you're talking about it. this was like your first episode. It would be like someone not having read a single, single issue of like Avengers and New Avengers and then just picking up Secret Wars. Oh, right. I've at least <laughs> read like four issues of Hickman's Avengers. Right. Before you got your headache, you mean? Right. Or... Yeah, it was. Marvel Unlimited lets you binge these things. And I think maybe Hickman is not the guy to binge. Um, yeah, but it's just like, what is this? Why are they? Why is the Spider-Man podcast talking about a annual from two and one from the 70s what <laughs> what is it do i need a guidebook for this podcast now i mean <laughs> right right um but anyway be sure to check out both our facebook pages at facebook.com slash superior spider talk and facebook.com slash chasing amazing because uh, dan and i will put up some reviews and comments and other fun things about the spider-man universe so uh it's a great way to get in touch with us also don't forget to check out our friendly neighborhood spider talk members club that helps support our show our theme song is courtesy of rylan bojack and our outro song comes from the great magic dan where can I find you on t the internet? I almost just said Twitter, but well, I, I want to know where Twitter is. On Twitter, so that's actually kind of helpful, Mark. Okay, well, where can I find you on Twitter and then the rest of the internet? Oh, okay. Well, you can find me on Twitter by uh, searching for Dan Gavazdin, just my name. That's my handle, and uh, you can follow my Spider-Man account at at Sup Spider Talk and read all the Spider-Man stuff that my team and I are putting out at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. What about you, Mark? Well, of course, you can find me at www.chasingamazingblog.com. And you can find me on Twitter at ChasingASMblog. And that's kind of it for right now. I'm, I'm, I'm laying low, Dan. What does that mean? It's probably healthy for you, Mark. I know. I needed a break. <laughs> yeah, well, you know why you probably needed a break was because, you know, I got blasted into outer space last week. 
And I saw you there in outer space. And I was like, what is Mark doing here? Can you explain yourself, Mark? Well, okay. So I was having a dream. And it was weird. The whole dream was like in the first person, you know, kind of felt like almost like outer body. It was like Mark Janakio is slain in bed and Dan Gavazin is already in space. And it like recaps like a whole other comic book of stuff that you were doing with like Thanos and stuff like that. But anyway, I had a vision and it was of a bald Uncle Ben. He was bald? Yeah, like Moonstone, you know? Are you sure it wasn't me? No. Wait. No. Maybe it was you. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, but I guess why I thought it was Uncle Ben was because you were like, you know, you were talking to me about you needed my help or like the world was going to explode. And then you're like, and also don't forget, with great podcasts, there must also come Amazing Spider Talk and Marvel 2 in 1 annual number two, the third, all new Ultimates, the end. The end.